Hi, I'm Harini. I'm Camille, and welcome to the news podcast. Hi, and welcome back to the news podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about all things sporty. There definitely is huge gender disparity in the sporting world, and hopefully today we'll bring to light some of the issues that women face in terms of media coverage, funding, recognition, and pay. According to the Tucker Centre for Research on Girls and Women in Sport, almost 40% of sports participants are female. And yet, women only receive 4% of all media coverage. We will, however, end on a much more positive note and showcase some of the sporting success that women and women's teams have had recently. So to start off with, according to the BBC, 17% of sports don't offer the same prize money to both men and women for exactly the same sport, same competition. And the difference can sometimes run into the millions. Furthermore, in the Forbes 2020 top 50 highest paid athletes, only one woman appears tennis star Naomi Osaka at number 29. Only 13% of professional sports teams have a female coach, with reports being from those women that not only were they not taken seriously, they even often had to persuade security that they weren't part of the entourage or simply stadium cleaning ladies at both training and even matches. Similarly, we can look at how many women there are on executive boards to tell us a little bit about the role of women in sports. For example, only 3% of professional clubs have more than 30% female board representation, and only 5% have a woman in any leadership role at all. Furthermore, 53% of professional clubs have no women on their board in any capacity. All of this points to the role that systemic misogyny has in the world of professional sports, but also to the difference between those governing and those playing. Because across all national governing boards, there is on average a 35% female contingent, whereas the professional club average for board positions held by women immediately drops down to only 8%. Funding and pay aren't the only issues that affect women's sports. There's also other issues like gender mark differences. So commentators saying stuff like, this is a women's sport after all. And it makes people really aware that within sports, you almost have two sides men's teams and women's teams or men's sports and women's sports and you can also get differences in rules between the two so like in cricket the boundaries for women are shorter or in tennis women play three sets instead of five and I know in the cricketing world recently there's even been talk of shortening pitch length and making balls smaller for women but I don't really know if those changes are going to be implemented but the rationale behind suggesting those new changes is to see women bowling faster paced balls and that's to increase viewership Even the game as it stands now with just the shorter boundaries allows for more sixes and fours to be hit or, well, the perception that more sixes and fours are being hit, which makes the game more exciting, draws more viewers in. And then that's a great thing because more money is funneled into women's sports. The drawback of that, though, is how seriously people then start to take women's sports. A woman's hit a six, but oh, the boundary is 20 metres in, right? And that's been the subject of recent controversy in tennis where comments have been made about women demanding equal pay and saying that they should play the five sets then. What made me really laugh, though, was this poll I saw conducted by YouGov a while ago. And it basically asked a sample of the British public whether they thought they could win a point off Serena Williams. 19% of men said, I think I could. (laughs) 
like they actually back themselves like that and that's that's hilarious because this woman has 23 grand slam tournament wins and these men think that the, the audacity but it just goes to show how unserious people actually take women's sports because of these gender mark differences i went to watch the hundreds the cricket last summer right and they have a women's side and a men's side and the women play first bear in mind everybody paid for these tickets not even half the seats were filled for the women's and for the men's the game the, the stadium was packed like the cost of the ticket includes both games and both sides play for the same franchise so it's actually ridiculous that people just didn't come to watch the women play and that just reminds me of you know the whole argument that's been like floating around the internet for ages where if you don't watch women's sports as well as a man you're not interested in the sport you're only interested in the men that play it and this is interesting because the media is also very quick to sexualize female athletes often prioritizing their sex appeal over I guess their sporting ability and sporting achievements. I mean, these are two very different messages we're being fed. On one hand, the female athlete is seen as undesirable, and on the other, she's seen as wholly desirable. Either way, though, the focus is being taken off the fact that a woman can excel at the sport that she plays in. Clearly, there is some sort of discomfort in the media and in the public over the way that the presence of women in sport and female athletes changes sport and challenges stereotypes regarding what it means to be feminine or be masculine. Funding and pay aren't the only issues that affect women's sports. There's also other issues like gender mark differences, so commentators saying stuff like, this is a women's sport after all, and it makes people really aware that within sports you almost have two sides men's teams and women's teams or men's sports and women's sports and you can also get differences in rules between the two so like in cricket the boundaries for women are shorter or in tennis women play three sets instead of five and I know in the cricketing world recently there's even been talk of shortening pitch length and making balls smaller for women but I don't really know if those changes are going to be implemented but the rationale behind suggesting those new changes is to see women bowling faster paced balls and that's to increase viewership even the game as it stands now with just the shorter boundaries allows for more sixes and fours to be hit or well the perception that more sixes and fours are being hit which makes the game more exciting draws more viewers in and then that's a great thing because more money is funneled into women's sports the drawback of that though is how seriously people then start to take women's sports a woman's hit a six but oh the boundary is 20 meters in right and that's been the subject of recent controversy in tennis where comments have been made about women demanding equal pay and saying that they should play the five sets then. What made me really laugh, though, was this poll I saw conducted by YouGov a while ago, and it basically asked a sample of the British public whether they thought they could win a point off Serena Williams. 19% of men said, I think I could. <laughs> like, they actually back themselves like that, and that's, that's hilarious, because this woman has 23 Grand Slam tournament wins, and these men think that. Th the audacity. But it just goes to show how unserious people actually take women's sports because of these gender mark differences. I went to watch the hundreds, the cricket last summer, right? And they have a women's side and a men's side, and the women play first. Bear in mind, everybody paid for these tickets. Not even half the seats were filled for the women's, and for the men's, the game, the, the stadium was packed. Like, the cost of the ticket includes both games and both sides play for the same franchise. So it's actually ridiculous that people just didn't come to watch the women play. 
And that just reminds me of, you know, the whole argument that's been like floating around the internet for ages, where if you don't watch women's sports as well as a man, you're not interested in the sport. You're only interested in the men that play it, which is interesting. However, the situation is not all bleak and there are very many positive developments in the role of sports in terms of representation and not just through quotas for governing bodies. For example, Nike is now creating sportswear hijabs and including hijabi women in their campaigns and adverts to show not only greater inclusivity, but also to show that sports can also be modest, you can work out and still feel comfortable within your culture and your religion. Similarly, the moment of solidarity can be seen between opposing team members that went viral online where a female football player's hijab slips to partially uncover her hair, and five players from the opposite team immediately shielded her from the public eye so that she could rectify it and maintain her modesty. However, negative stereotypes still persevere in the world of sports. For example, women in sports are also given a hugely masculine identity in the media. Girls who played sports at a young age are often called tomboys, for example, which we don't question until we realise what this actually means. Furthermore, all bodies change and become leaner and more muscular by playing sports, which is normal, and certain sporting bodies are desired more than others. For example, not wanting a woman to be too muscular, in inverted commas, or to be lean, but only in a certain way. And this perception can often put women off sport. To tell us a little bit more about athletics and the role of women in sports, it is our absolute honour to be able to ask some questions to Anastasia Davies, who has regularly represented GB athletics abroad in the European Championships. To start off with, is there anything that stands out to you when you think of gender double standards in athletics or the world of sports in general? One gender double standard that comes to mind, specifically within athletics, is the fact that at under-17 level, boys run 400 metres, whereas under-17 girls run 300 metres, so 100 metres less. And this is over the flat distance and the hurdles distance. And there's no, as far as I can see, official reason for it. But having spoken to officials and coaches, there's a sort of idea that young girls will not be able to run that far well and that's really not the best idea to be telling young girls young athletes as they're coming up another example that comes to mind is within gymnastics um, i used to do gymnastics and female gymnasts on the floor dance to music and on the beam you have a sort of dance routine that you do alongside um, your elements which i quite enjoyed I, i enjoyed dancing to music and and doing all that sort of thing but male athletes or male gymnasts don't have to do that on floor and there's this idea that presentation and how you look is quite important um, for female gymnastics and there's not that much of that sort of emphasis within male gymnastics yeah just maybe generally a bit more emphasis is laid on female gymnasts and presentation one more example that comes to mind is pay within um, Uh, or across different sports, Um, the obvious one being football. Um, According to the Telegraph, the average women's Super League player earned 50 times less than their Premier League male counterpart. And it's just that double standard of you do the same thing, you train as equally as hard, um, you play the sort of, you you play the same game and you're getting paid less. In your opinion, what's the best thing about being a female athlete? Generally, the best thing I find about being an athlete is being able to do what you enjoy and the element of training and just trying to perfect and improve on your skills and I suppose the best part about being a female athlete specifically is 
uh, I suppose the, the, the legacy and the inspiration from the previous generations and just trying to live up to kind of their standards. Following on from this, what's the biggest challenge about being a female athlete? I think a big challenge is the menstrual cycle and how it can impact an athlete's performance as there's not as much research done as maybe there could be. Um, another example I can think of off the top of my head is safety when road running. I know as it gets later in the year, um, some longer distance athletes can find it challenging to then train over sort of longer distances, especially on the roads, and just that hyper-awareness of safety. And one other sort of niche example um, is stalkers. As you become sort of slightly more well-known, um, there's this element of people feeling like they know you and then that territory of almost obsession. Um, one example that comes to mind is Emma Raducanu and her stalker. And yeah, just that sort of element of as you go up the ranks, you then, you then are exposed to more people in a wider audience. In your lived or seen experience, do you think that women of colour have a different experience of athletics, including getting questions like these that white athletes aren't expected to answer? Um, I suppose there's a saying that sport is a reflection of our society, so whatever people experience out in the real world, they'll also experience it in sport, whether good or bad. What's the social aspect like of going to international competitions? Competing at an international level is really cool because you get to travel to countries you may not necessarily have thought to go to and experience a wide variety of new and interesting cultures. Competing internationally is definitely different to competing at home. Uh, for one, the competitors are unknown. You may not have come across them before, but that just kind of elevates that level of competitiveness. And at the end of the day, you're all we're all there for the same reason, to compete and just perform to the best of our abilities. From coaching younger children, have you also learned something from them? I do a bit of coaching and something I've learned from the kids is just to keep it simple. Sometimes it might overcomplicate a thing and, or an explanation and they'll say, hey, I don't really understand what you're trying to tell me or what you're trying to coach me. So yeah, just keeping it simple, whether that's in sport or in just you know life generally. Also, just have fun with it. What message would you like to give to young people getting into athletics? As cliched as it sounds, the simple thing is just to enjoy the sport, enjoy what you do. Without that sort of fundamental level of enjoyment and fun, you then find it difficult to get through those really sort of difficult training patches or just the general grind, I suppose. And yeah, just to really go for it. So thank you so much to Anastasia Davies for agreeing to speak to us. It was such an honour getting to speak to you about this important topic. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you all next week.